See, well, I have with me this afternoon our good friend, Pastor Rick McLean. Rick, I'm so excited to see you again, and uh, greetings and love from Lighthouse Bible Church San Jose, and to your wife, Janelle, as well. Please don't forget to tell her, um, send her our greetings. But I uh, wanted just to first basically to say, how are you doing, and, and what's new um, south in SoCal at Grace Community Church? Well, it's great for me to be here. I love you guys, and it's a joy. I've been looking forward to, to talking to you all day. That's how much you guys mean to me. So um, I love your church. Um, I love you, obviously. And we're doing okay. We're surviving here in these interesting times that we're living in. Um, it's, uh, it's had a, a profound effect on my own personal life. I, I began to live my life uh, that Jesus could come any day. Um, I, think, I think that's had a huge effect on my own life and my wife's life. We've been trying to live that now where he could be here to he could come and get us today, um, how things are going in the world. So that's been good for me in my own personal life. Um, and I think for our church, it's been a good refining time in our own church and our leaders here. I think we're all focusing more on the Lord. I see more prayer going on in the church here. Uh, I see a lot more encouragement with one another. Um, so that's, that's all been good. So it's amazing how the Lord uses difficult times like this for good. Yeah, amen. Well, maybe we could open our time with a word of prayer. Would you, would you pray for us and both our churches? Yes. Father, it's so good to get together with Mark and uh, with the Lighthouse Church. And um, it's just so, been such a blessing to have a partnership with them over these last few years. And they have been such an encouragement to me and in my ministry here. Um, so, Lord, I'm just excited that we can spend some time together here. And I just pray that you would use it and encourage others from this. Um, just bless the time that we have here. I'm so thankful for Mark willing to, uh, to spend this time with me. And I, I've told so many that I wish there were more churches out there like Lighthouse that um, have a heart for those that are hurting and the disabled. And I, I'm so excited what you're gonna do with this church with Lighthouse in the future. So Lord, just bless the time that we have here uh, right now. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, Rick. Welcome. Well, Rick, we met years ago when I was a seminary student, and even before then, we met at Joiners Fellowship Group under Dr. John Street, and you were, you had just started to head up the special needs ministry, the disabled ministry, by, it's gone by different names at different times and different seasons, and um, you were always a huge help and an encouragement, certainly to me, during those times when I was a pastoral intern. And then over the last few years, we've had the, the privilege and the joy of really riding on your coattails for Lighthouse Bible Church San Jose to partner with you, not really partner with you, come and assist in the special needs camp that happens out here in the Santa Cruz area for the last few summers. But unfortunately, this summer, um, it got canceled due to COVID-19. We were touch and go a little bit. Teddy uh, and Ted were doing heavy lifting and uh, waiting to see what was happening. And on our end, they had applications and interviews and getting participants and volunteers ready. And then it was a little touch and go. And then COVID-19 and shelter in place more or less took over and shut that down. And I'm gonna ask you a few questions about that, but sure. I wanna back up for our church um, to ask how the Lord brought both you and Janelle, how he prepared you and how he brought you, both you and Janelle, your wife, um, to the role of, of shepherding at Grace Community Church in the special needs or the disabled ministry? Well, it's a good question. Um, you know, as I, you know, I was really thankful to uh, go to seminary. You know, I got saved later in my life. I was 
30 years old when I became a Christian. And so I kind of rethought about my career. I was working, in, you know, as a foot coach at a private school and just different jobs and got saved and decided to go back to school. And, uh, and then going to seminary was not initially originally in the plan for me, but I really had a heart to serve people. Um, I didn't know where that was going to be. And then I hear I went to seminary and I'm looking for a ministry somewhere and I get a call from Grace Church that they want, they need a, a special ministries pastor. But, but as far as how God prepared me, I, I can look back in my life and see, um, in a way I, he did prepare me. I grew up in a very dysfunctional home. Uh, my mom and dad were both alcoholics. Um, there was, uh, I was grew up in a home where there was a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of craziness in the household and a lot of, um, um, you know, uh, I was sort of raised without parents kind of, you know, in a way. Um, and my dad was in the entertainment business, music business, um, which is a crazy world to be into. So I, I kind of, maybe growing up in that environment um, made me more aware of people that are hurting because, you know, I, I, it was a very difficult life I grew up in. And maybe the Lord, I think the Lord might have been preparing me even through that environment uh to because i noticed a lot of my friends that i had in school were guys that were kind of not very popular and people that were maybe made fun of and i noticed that i always seemed to be have a heart for people that were kind of hurting so you know uh it's just interesting how so i think the lord was preparing me in my life um in some ways just because of my home life and growing up and and then i really was just very uh kind of dysfunctional myself I didn't have any direction in my life other than sports. Uh, you know, I love playing sports, but um, obviously I wasn't good enough to play professional sports. I wasn't uh, physically Neither good. Neither was I, Rick. Don't feel bad. <laughs> really, you understand that. So the basketball career was not open to me. <laughs> yeah, really. And I, I know I wasn't a good runner, and I, I wasn't, but it, I love sports. That probably kept me out of trouble. I wasn't a Christian, obviously. In those, but anyway. So professional shuffleboard wasn't really available. No, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Or, uh, cornhole, cornhole was not available in those yeah. days, and uh, so, uh, so I think the Lord was working in my life. And, and I look back, and one of my close friends was blind. I had a friend of mine that I used to hang with who was blind, and um, this is before I was a Christian. So I can look back now and see, but um, still, and even in that time, you know, thinking about that, I still didn't think I'd ever be a pastor in a ministry that such as this. That wasn't really what I was looking for. So God, as you know, and I, I'm sure you can understand how he, sometimes we'll be looking in one direction of what we want to do. And God says, no, I want you over here and I want you to do this. And so that's kind of what he did with me. He shifted me from where I was thinking about being like an associate pastor somewhere, working underneath somebody to, no, I want you over here at Grace Church, as a pastor at Grace Church in this ministry. So that was a, it took me a while to kind of think through, okay, Lord, how am I going to do this? So um, I had to learn a lot my first few years. I didn't know anything about disabilities, really. I, I had to learn a lot from some, but I had some good people to help me. So thank God for that. You were thrown in, which is interesting, I, you know, just spending some time there. You know, John MacArthur's, what he shared publicly is he will choose on the basis of character and not necessarily per se, on whether you've had a background, let's say, in special needs. If he believes in the man, he'll bring you on, and he'll put you somewhere, and then he'll let you go and say, okay, if you're a godly man and I trust you, okay, now it's in your hands. You run with it. And that may mean you may end up in a ministry where you feel not terribly qualified from the world's perspective. Right. You know, but, but clearly, Rick, 
God gave you when we look at gifts, the gift of mercy, right? You look at that as far as a compassion for the hurting and to provide care for those who are suffering from the consequences of sin. Yeah, that's a good point. It, I know it's sometimes it's hard to look at us, look at ourselves rightly sometimes because I, but I, I, I remember asking people sometimes, you know, do you think I, this is the right ministry for me? And I know some people, the Lord was gracious. Some people would say, you, you're in the right, exactly where the Lord should have you. You're the guy for this position. I didn't really believe that necessarily for a while, but um, I've had people kind of confirm to me, this is, I think you're, this is really uh, the ministry for you. And so it's, you know, God, I'm sure he's done that with you too, Mark. He'll, he'll confirm to us sure. what we're doing, you know, well, in Rick, some way. That's interesting too you know, as we look at every aspect in the church, including some of the reasons why people feel scared about helping out in special needs. It's very interesting. It's the one area where highly competent, highly effective people and professional life come and say, I'm not qualified. I don't know what I'm doing. But one of the things that, that you highlight and, and that we go over frequently is serving is about calling. When Jesus came to the disciples and said, come follow me, and he asked fishermen to follow him and be the foundation of the church, he didn't say, fill out an application. Do you have X amount of experience starting a church? And, you know, where we serve is based on Christ calling us, not necessarily on a feeling, right? And, and that calling, part of the calling is affirmed by leaders in the local church, Right. So you described that perfectly of a period in time where you didn't feel like this was right for you. And yet within the local church, you were affirmed. And and yes. so often we let our feelings guide us yes, into very do. bad places. Um, whereas we need to let the word of the Lord and godly counsel to really guide us. And that's certainly been true in your life. You've been blessed, Rick, you know, from a perspective with an abundance of godly men around you. Um, who've given good counsel. I agree with you there. That's, and that's a blessing. I know for you, I'm sure you can say the same thing. It's, it's, it's neat to see that encouragement you get. And because, you know, sometimes I feel like saying, you know, am I, am I doing a good job here? You know, and, you know, could I, you know, I mean, I mean we can always do better, but you know, I, so I'm, I can be critical of myself, but I, it's, it's neat to know I really do have a peace and, and uh, contentment where I am. And I, and I, that's, that's a, a blessing to be where, where, you know, I, I want to be where God wants, you know, we all want to be where God wants us to be. Right. I mean, and I really have always I've felt that for years now, this, in fact, you know, I, I had an opportunity to, to take another position in the, in the past and uh, it was a great opportunity. And I literally had to tell the guy, you know, this is where God has me, mm -hmm. you know, I, God has me here. And I, I think I'm going to stay here until they get, they get tired of me here at grace and get me out of here, get this guy out of here. But it was a it was a position that I, the guy was a good friend of mine and it was an opportunity and I had to think about it but it was I think the Lord even used that to verify that I He has me in this world of disabilities and I really feel this is where He has me and I'm very happy to be in this what I do I am very happy oh so cool and um, as you say we're all gifted differently though right <laughs> and and yet the Lord uses us and yeah. He makes calling clear for service and. Um, you know, it's something we try and highlight at our church for people who are serving and also becoming members of the church, that issue of calling, you know, as opposed to I'm choosing or I'm feeling or I feel confident, confident in that area. So, um, and along those lines, Rick, this question just came to my mind. You described going to seminary um, a little later. 
you know, age 30. And I think for me, I, I think I was like somewhere between 32 and 36. So I'm part of that rank, which yep. is a daunting transition. Yeah. Can you maybe describe for us in a nutshell why you decided to go to seminary at the age of 30 and how that came about? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, now as I look back, I can see more clearly, uh, if you'd asked me this a few years ago, but I was, um, I was a new believer and I was supposed to get married <laughs> at the church with somebody and it didn't work out. It, it really, really, God uses it for good, uses these things for good, but he broke me. And uh, which was, I probably needed it to be broken. Uh, and, um, and then I began to realize, well, I want to just commit my life to serving the Lord. I just, for some reason, after I, I just said, you know, I'm not going to worry about finding a wife or right now. I just want to serve you, Lord. And so I got involved in a skid row ministry, all things there, Grace, going downtown and ministering to the, the bums, you know, for a while. But I really enjoyed it. I was some friends. We'd go down there and we'd feed them. And, and then um, that really just ignited me to want to serve, being in that ministry. I just wanted, not necessarily to, uh, to be a senior pastor, I don't think, but just to serve in a church. And then I had to decide, well, do I want to serve? Uh, you know, as, as, as just a, a lay person, or do I want to go back to school? Well, I wanted to go back to school anyway to get my degree. I had not finished school. I got saved when I was at Cal State Northridge. I was a psychology major in my last latter years. I got saved, and I decided I'm not going to finish. I, I'm gonna, not going to continue this, even though I was close to graduating. I dropped out, started just serving here at the church, and then I went back to school later on and finished up and got my degree at Master's College. And that's, that's through that process, I started serving in the church here, um, the children's ministry with Bill Shannon. After I was doing the disabled, the, the skid row ministry, then I decided to serve with Bill uh, in the children's. And I love that. I love serving the kids and serving with Bill. And that, that just seemed to ignite me more that I wanted to serve. So um, then that's what that drove me to go to seminary. Again, I didn't really have any idea what I was going to do when I went to seminary still. I was still up in the air. So uh, in part, you know, you loved, you love serving the Lord. Yes. Yes. So, and, and yet you also drew a connection, which I think a lot of people, this is going to be interesting for the question. I think for me, at least it's interesting um, for the question <laughs> about, about special needs, because when it comes to special needs, people say, well, am I qualified? What do I need? But you obviously saw a connection between serving and especially serving people who needed mercy and in hard places with being equipped with the word of God. Okay. Yes. And, and I want to draw a connection and maybe ask for your help. Okay. Where did your equipping in seminary and in the word of God, how did that come to play and how does that come to play in the special needs or ministry or ministering to people in mercy ministries, I, people would label, let's say, a mercy ministry, yeah. people who are a little more obvious than others who need help. Yeah. Because I think the big focus a lot of times is how do I take care of their special needs? Yeah. You know, am I equipped to help someone who's in a wheelchair? Am I equipped to help someone with a feeding tube? Am I equipped to help someone who's got dyslexia? No, I don't have the skills. I haven't been trained. And we seem to forget the word of the Lord and the gospel. And so, um, I wanted to ask you, where does the gospel and where does being equipped in the word of God fit in, in caring for people and showing love for people who maybe more visibly need mercy? We all clearly need mercy and we'll deal with that sure. later, but. No, that is, that is a great question. And that's the question I had to work through when I first took this ministry over. I said, where does the Bible tie, tie in with what we're doing here? 
because I mean, it's all you can always say it's a good thing to minister to people with disabilities. Yeah, it's a good thing. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Radio, but I always use that example in that movie where um, the it's a true story about a coach that develops a love for a disabled guy. He in fact he becomes he allows a disabled guy to be a part of the team and he becomes the manager of the team. He helps out with you know giving the drinks during the game and all that. But at the end of the day, the, the movie at the end of the movie, people ask him, "Why are you doing this?" Why do you help this disabled person? He says, oh, it's a good thing. He says, it's a good thing to do. And so, but I told myself, okay, what does the Bible have to say? How does the Bible measure up to what we're doing? Uh, and I started to, to look at scriptures and, you know, and read some things just for my own purpose. And it's all through the scriptures. To me, it's clear that we're to have a heart for those with disabilities. And, 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 and I, when I say disabilities, it could be just a hurting element of our society. I think, and I think the ultimate example is Christ. I mean, we look at his ministry, where was he spending his time with? Uh, who was he with a lot? He was with the disabled or the hurting. Now, yes, he healed them many times, and, but basically he was spent a lot of time with the with paraplegics, with the blind, the lame, uh, the demon-possessed, uh, on and on we could go. And I think we see that all through scriptures. And even in the Old Testament, if we look at the law in the Old Testament, in, the, in Leviticus, talks about the fact that we should care for the deaf. Leviticus and Deuteronomy, it says, cursed is the one who doesn't help the blind. So even in the Old Testament, we see that the, in the law that we are to reach out to hurting people. And then as we go into, and then we see also in the, in the uh, Old Testament, the future hope for those with disabilities, that those that uh, have disabilities that either know Christ um, are going to get a new body someday. And that's the hope for these people. And then in the New Testament, we see Christ. It's all through the scriptures. And I think we also see it uh, you know, it's scriptures about those that are uh, in Matthew 25, where it says that we should be reading out, reaching out to those who are sick and those who are in prison. And I think we see uh, also we see in, in Christ's compassion too that He had. Not only did He reach out to these people, the compassion He had towards these. Um, so I think it's it's pretty clear in Scripture that we are to read, even if we don't have the gift of mercy, you know, per se. Yeah. I think it's all through the well, Bible. To some extent, we should all have the gift of mercy because Christ is a merciful savior. If he's yes. our savior and Lord, that, that mercy's there. And, and, you know, I think for me, one of the interesting things that you're touching on, um, Rick is look, there's this global consequence of suffering and sin. And so scripture is very clear. It, it's not necessarily with the blind man that you or your father necessarily sin, but when sin came into the world, there are consequences and there's global suffering right? And that suffering does include illness, and it includes disability, and ultimately it, it leads to death for all of us, you know? And, and so the gospel is Christ coming to rescue us from our sins, and he will bring his family into a new heaven and a new earth where sin has been removed and those consequences, and clearly as part of his gospel ministry, he's showing, I have power to save the whole man, right? And and he comes into the paralytic and says, your sins are forgiven. And he draws this connection of, I'm the Messiah and the fulfillment of God's word to save God's people and to redeem his children is for the whole man. Now that gets distorted, right? Because you get the prosperity gospel people who are ripping people off by saying, okay, Christ came to heal you of your disability. And I'm sure you've seen a fair amount of that during your time. And they're ripping these people off and taking their money because they're saying, hey, it's here right now. They totally ignore 
the sin aspect. But then you get people on the other hand who it's all maybe intellectual teaching and there's no actual care for the suffering need. And maybe you could shepherd us a little bit, Rick, of how in your ministry do you find that balance to take care of the hurt, take care of the need, take care of the disability and have compassion, and yet realize too, we're here to shepherd the heart. That's a really good point. And I think, and that's um, something, again, I've had to work through, but, you know, I really, we, one thing I did when I first oversaw this ministry, I said, we, we got to make sure that we, we want to love these people, obviously. We want to love them and we want to minister to them and we, and, and their families. You know, that's, that's another thing we really want to do is make sure that we minister to their parents. Uh, it's a difficulty raising a disabled child. Um, divorce rate's about 80%. Um, so that's a real, it's tough on that family. It puts a lot of stress on the family financially, all the medical bills they have to deal with, um, all the issues, uh, legal issues that they have to struggle with. Um, the stress level's high. It's not just a physical illness. It's, stress is, it's unbelievable. And the, unfortunately, in many cases, the father leaves. So we've got, a, not only we have a, a disabled child here that needs to be loved, but the family does too. So we want to make sure that that's important in our ministry. But what is even more important is that we give them the gospel. And we let them know that uh, there's hope in Christ. And, and so it gives us a great format to not only to give the gospel, not only to our disabled people, but to families. Maybe we, are, we deal with some of the families that are not saved. The father might not be saved, you know. So we feel it's a great opportunity. So every Sunday when we, when we meet here, we, we give them the gospel. Every single week we do that. Um, and we try to, that's important. That's very important for us. And we want to, their spiritual condition is, is what's most important. Um, physically, yes, you know, we just leave that up to God, whatever he's going to do there. I remember Johnny Erickson Tata shared a story one time where she had a man that was confronting her because he says, you know, why hasn't God healed you? And obviously he was from a prosperity church. And so she did, she went to some faith healers to try to get healed. And, and she was, she was a new believer. I think she wasn't really strong in the Lord at that time. And she went to these faith healers and they didn't want to even deal with her. And they just said, we, don't bring her here. We don't want, you know, we, we don't want to, we don't want her around here. But, but this man really felt that she should be um, physically healed. But look how God has used her life, right? You know, here's a woman that's been used in an amazing way, although God never did physically heal her. But obviously, that is not the, the priority of our ministry is a, that these people get feel, uh, physically healed. That's not our goal. Yes, if God chooses to do that, that's fine if he wants to. But our goal is to spiritually heal them. And that's what we want to do. Rick, you know, you talk about that spiritual healing. Um, can you share with us a little bit about some of the areas that, that do need attention as far as spiritual healing, just even with, like you've mentioned, with the families and maybe some of the impact of God's word and the gospel? I know it's, it's kind of hard going. Um, just having stepped into your ministry just a little bit, like any ministry, that's a gospel ministry, the gospel's frequently rejected. I mean, that's it. And, and it's not like special needs is any different than any other ministry where you go in and Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, they follow me. So there's lots of people who show up for help, but it's, it's, it's a little bit narrow sometimes, but, but God does save. So you guys are up against the same gospel ministry everybody else is dealing with. We Can are. you that a little bit? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. That, that, that's a challenge. I think for me as a pastor, and I'm sure you could relate, 
my concern is I want people to get saved in my ministry. I want people to walk with the Lord and, and be strong Christians. And I'm sure that's what your goal is too in your ministry. In my ministry, it's tough sometimes to know where they are spiritually. Um, some of them, because they can't talk, they can't articulate what they're learning from us. Um, some of them are maybe have a mentality of a two or three-year-old. Um, so those are the ones that, you know, you don't know how much they're understanding. Then you have some that are, are at the age of accountability. They're older, that, that understand, and we, we don't see a lot of fruit. So it is a challenging ministry there as far as visibly seeing, you know, who's saved and really, really getting a grasp on who are Christians here and who are not. It can be a challenge. And that, that bothered me when we, I first took this ministry over because I want to know who's believe, who's saved and who's not, you know, you want to know. And, uh, and then, of course, some of the parents, uh, who you find out that even though they may be attending our church, some of them are not walking with the Lord. So uh, that's been an opportunity. But I think where I've, I, and so this is where you, 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 you draw the fine line here. I know there are some people that believe that um, if children, if a young child is to die, that they will go to heaven. And so, and I, I tend to lean towards believing that. I know there's some differences in that area, in that um, theology, but I believe that, so I think a lot of our people would fall in that category, that they're, if they were to die, I believe that they're going to go to heaven because they're like, a, they have the mentality of a two-year-old, two or three-year-old. Um, but then we do have a lot too that are, do are at the age of accountability, and, and those are the ones that, need, you know, we really are concerned about. Um, and so... Uh, it's, it is a challenge, and one thing I've tried to do with our people is to make sure that we are faithful mm. to just, our job is to give them the truth, give them the gospel, and just love them, and we just have to leave the rest up to God. We just can't, we just have to trust God. He's going to work all that out, right? He's going to work out who's going to go to heaven and who's not, and, and who's saved and who's not, and I can't, I'm not going to be able to figure it all out. I'm not. Yeah. Well, I think that's one of the things that special needs, it, it gives you no wiggle room you really need to walk by faith, which quite frankly, we should be walking in every other aspect of life on, until sickness comes, until illness comes, until yeah. some of those things come yeah. that, that really, really press us in those areas. Yeah. Um, so true. How during COVID-19 shelter in place, um, how has that affected the special needs ministry? What are the challenge, what are some of the challenges that have come in for the ministry, but also for the individuals who participate. Because at Grace Church every Tuesday evening, was it Tuesday evening? That yes, you have, we have a Grace Club on Tuesday evening. We have a group that comes on every, Tuesday night. You know, every Sunday you have two sessions. Right, we have, uh, we have, some, we, we have uh, three classes now, really. We have one for young kids, too. We have three Sunday school classes. And we have the Tuesday night that starts in the fall. That would be starting in a couple months. We have on uh, Tuesday nights, it's, it's an outreach program. We have maybe, these are for morally, for the mentally, mentally challenged. We have maybe up to 80 of them that come. It's a, it's a pretty good sized group that come. These are, and then we have the camps in the summer, which we weren't able to have this summer. Sure. So, so yeah. has the ministry been affected, but also maybe you can help us so we know how to pray for folks with special needs and care for them. I know for, for me and my family with two kids and being at home all the time and doing school and not allowing them to have interaction has had a significant impact. And I've heard the same from other parents. So I can only imagine oh, yeah. for those with caregivers and special needs, how brutal that must be. Maybe you can give us a few details on both sides. Yeah, we've, we, what we've been trying to do lately, in fact, it's, it's we, since we have no ministry going on right now here at church, we've gone to the homes. My, uh, we've gone out every week. We try to visit a couple, two or three homes, you know, and visit and see how, they're, how everybody's doing. Obviously, we can't 
go inside the home to visit. These are talking about people that live in group homes. Uh, I'd say 80% of our people that come here live in group homes. So we have about maybe 20, 20, 25 homes that we, we have out there. So we've been trying to chip away and doing a few homes every week. And we're finding out that the caregivers, number one, are exhausted. Yeah. Because normally these kids are in day programs. They have them doing something during the day normally, but now they're home all the time. So the caregivers, it's a 24 seven for them. And the parents too, the ones that we have, you know, that we go to our church. And then just you, the exhaustion you can see. I, I've even had some caregivers come out and talk to us about that, that how difficult it's been for them. So that's been good to go to, we go visit the homes. We've had a chance to talk to the caregivers, encourage them. We told them that we pray for them. And then to see our people, we, we have to look at, we have to really see them from a distance. We go, most, in most cases, they're not even allowing them outside. So what we do is we park our vehicle out in front and we wave from a distance outside. They're, in the, they're inside the house and they go out to a window and wave to us. So that's our interaction that we're, have, we're able to have with them right now. So that's frustrating for them. They want to come out and see us, um, but they can't. So that's a difficult thing. And I wanted to read, I don't know if, I, Johnny Erickson taught a shared some things about the difficulties right now that's going on with this. She said that the coronavirus has caused a huge disruption in social and educational services for children and special need, with special needs, placing an enormous burden on the parents. Trying to work from home while doing a 24-7 home care pushed many families into the breaking point. She says, Look, lack of integ integration of the public services meant that people with disabilities had no access to much needed services or were completely overlooked. She goes, and even trying to health care services have a adverse impact on the chronically ill and elderly. And when people with chronic conditions did receive treatment, hospitals would not allow family members or personal cares to attend them. So that's a difficulty too. But she's basically what she's saying here is though that the stress is tremendous yeah. on these groups, these homes these kids live in. It's just um, intensified even more. It is. It's, it's already very, high to begin with. And yeah. Just getting things, the activities of daily life are already hard to begin with, yeah. and it's just gone even, even, even yeah. higher. It's just difficult, and 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 you you don't want to point the finger at any one person, but I think it's, and so and, and this is something that's you know with this is what four months now this has been going on, uh, so um, yeah, and this we're just gonna have to see how this how this plays out in the future, but. Um, Thank the Lord, though the good the good thing is I have not heard of any any of them having any of the virus. Okay, I've not heard any. I I checked periodically and to find out from one of the directors, have any of them gotten the virus? And they said no. So that's been a blessing to hear that, um, because their their immune systems are pretty much uh, different than ours. They yeah. don't have good immune systems, so they would not be good for them to get the virus. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but it is a difficult situation uh, for the caregivers. My heart goes out to them. It, it's been an opportunity for us to let them know we're praying for them. Yeah. And many of them are not saved, but we have told them that we want to pray for them and that, that they have, that's meant a lot to them. So we've had a chance to kind of reach out a little bit to them. It's been an opportunity to share the gospel in a unique way to yeah. the caregivers. It has been. And Rick, moving forward, you know, looking at the fall, looking at the fact that your summer camps have been canceled. Um, you know, how has that affected you and, and the ministry? We've talked about the, the members of, of the special needs community at your ministry, but for, for you doing this ministry. It's been, it's been a re, kind of refocusing because uh, normally I'd be spending this summer working on the camps, going to camps. Uh, it takes up majority of the summer for me. So yeah, it's, it's, it's ironic how the Lord has really used this because 
at the beginning of the summer, um, I have an intern now in this ministry, which I've never had. And he's been a blessing for me because we've been able to sit down. I, I need somebody just to hash out this ministry with, yeah. you know, ask him, hey, what do you think I could do better here? And uh, just talk over things with him. And, and how can we, and we've sat down and he uh, has been a real help to me. And uh, we've, we're working on um, putting together some good materials, which we really don't have. That's one, been one of the weaknesses of you our ministry here. Well, you haven't had the time, Rick. I, I just I, have I, not been able to put together materials. And maybe even uh, writing more a little bit now, writing stuff out. So this has been a good opportunity to do that, to, to put together some materials for this ministry that I can, people, they call on the phone, I can send it to them. This is what we're about. This is what the philosophy of our, this is what our biblical philosophy is. This is why we do what we're doing. Um, and then practically, this is what we're doing. And uh, so we're putting together something like that, which I've never, I've never done. So this is good for me. Um, and it happens to be the guy that's my intern is very good about this stuff. I am not real administrative in this. This is not my gift. So he has been really a blessing to me. So I'm, I'm excited to see what we can do this summer and putting together some stuff. And, and then so now I can help because I do get call from churches. Churches are calling and say, what do you do? And how do you, you know, can, is there anything you could send me? And I go, well, I can send you some books by Johnny and I can send you, uh, but nothing that I had really put together. So I'm hoping that we can put together some good materials, um, maybe even writing up something in the future, maybe a, not a big book, but maybe, a, you know, 50 page book or something. Yeah, it's a <laughs> like reasonable, that absolutely, absolutely. No, that's, then, so that's been good. Well, Rick, you know, for a church, you know, let's say like ours or any church that says, okay, what advice do you give to churches and church members as far as how to love and how to care for uh, those who society quote unquote deems as special needs? Let's say a family came into our church and they had a member of their family who has special needs. And generally speaking, as I said, people who have not had exposure or haven't worked in that community, they can feel a little intimidated. They don't know where to start. And I guess maybe that's a good place. Where's a good place to start? Yeah. Um, you know, sure. to be biblically minded and to care in a biblical way for those with special needs who may have some connection with the church. Good question. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a genius on this, but I think um, obviously you need to have a first thing, you need to have a pastor that has a heart that, that is willing to, a church that's willing to open their doors up to these people, open up their arms up to, to a family like this, even though they're maybe they're not, they don't know have all the answers initially, is just opening the doors up to a family like this, saying, you're welcome, you're welcome to our church, and we want to help you. Um, that's the first thing. And Because some churches are, you know, I've had people go to visit churches who have a disabled child, and they can feel like the walls are up, like the church does, you know, like, no, they don't want them there. It's not that they're saying they don't want them there, but you can just, they can feel that the church just doesn't really, they don't, they're not interested, you know, in really trying to reach out to them like they, So I think that number one is just being open and to being, say, yes, Lord, we want to, we want to be open to administering these kind of people. Secondly, um, obviously you got to make sure that your church is, has access for people with disabilities. Not every church, you know, has access, you know, you want to find a church that they can get into, especially if they're in a wheelchair. You might sort of be open to those opportunities that they can, they can get into your church service. But the most important thing, though, I think, is to, is to really sit down with the family, the, whoever's caring for this person, whether it's a parent or whether it's a caregiver, and really just sitting down with them and getting to know as much as you can about this person, first of all. 
what their disability is, what their needs are, uh, what, what kind of, how, we, how can we minister to this person in our church? Um, find out as much as you can. We have a medical card or, that we have that they have to fill out. And then I interview. Usually I interview the parents. I will spend hours with them to go over this person, you know, so that we, we can at least ahead of time know what their needs are. What, what, and then from there, we just want to, as a church, we want to just make an effort to see what we can do to meet, meet those needs in the church, whether it be uh, if they need a special class. Maybe, maybe you find out that their mental capacity is like a three-year-old or four-year-old. Obviously, you're not going to want to put them in the main service necessarily, uh, although that's okay as, you know, if that's all right for them to come if they can behave themselves. Sometimes they can be a little um, dist distracted in a, in a main church service, but that not always. But having a class for them, just being open to teach them the Bible uh, like you'd be teaching a four-year-old. Um, that would be helpful. Uh, having people in the church that just are willing to, to take a step of faith and willing to help out caring for this person. You might have some people in your church that have experience with special needs people. Maybe they're in special ed. It's always good to look and see if there are people out there that are, are involved in that uh, as, a, as a career. But you don't have to have those kind of people. It's more people that are just willing to learn. Sure. You know, willing to learn and willing to serve someone like this. And, and it's a learning process. And you're not going to have it all down initially. And uh, it's going to take a while. It's a process. But I think that's what's, but I think eventually as you get to know this child or person, I think you'll be able to understand who they are. I think you can, you can help them and you can minister to them. And then at the end of the day, you're helping the family. If the family, you're allowing the family to go to church to worship and you're willing to, to minister to their child, you know, and that's a great thing. Because a lot of times parents will come to me and we go, they tell me, well, we can't go to a church because we have no place to put our child in, uh, in anywhere. And so we have to bring the child with us in the church. And that could be kind of disruptive. And we, you know, so you're helping the parents out too by yeah. ministering to them. So, um, so, so I think that's the main thing. There's, there's yeah. no, there's no, it's no specific thing. I think it's just being open and learning as much as you can and, and just trusting God and finding the right people that and, are willing to care. Yeah. You're, you're heart, highlighting a heart and an attitude, right? Yes. Really, is, is there faithfulness, like you said? Uh, are we willing to trust the Lord? Are yes. we willing you know, to get out of our comfort zone? And do we have a heart of love? And are we going to be obedient to Christ, even if it's a little shaky at times? Doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. I think the fact the family sees that you're willing to try to help them is, gonna, is, is half the battle. That you're just saying, hey, we're, we're willing to help you, even though we're not, we don't have it all down here, maybe. We're willing to help. We're willing to watch your child and miss your child. I think that's that's the big step right there. Yeah, and I think I'm hearing, you know, there needs to be some initiative, right? Definitely there needs to be, you know, and you know, obviously that's an expression of Christ's love, right? He took the initiative while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us, and um, you know that doesn't stop with quote unquote healthy people. That extends to everybody. It really does. And First Corinthians, uh, you know, twelve talks about the fact that we. The lesser, we need to be reaching out to those lesser in the church. We need to, you know, uh, the ones that are, are, are more needy. Those are the kind of, we want to be willing to reach out to those kind of people in our church. It's biblical. I mean, God, I think Apostle Paul really says that's important, that we really look for those people that uh, are needy and, and let, let people know that we're a church that embraces these kind of people. You know, uh, we want these people to be here. We want to reach out to them. I think that's, and work to get around if that, you know, and obviously, you don't want to have 30 or four of them. All of a sudden, you got 30 or four of them on campus at once, but I don't think that would happen. But you want to prepare to. But I think the word will get around about a church that's open to, to special needs people. The word will get out there. 
Now, Rick, how about wisdom and discernment? Um, you know, I've had a fair amount of, I've been blessed, I guess, from high school onwards to be involved in a lot of special needs ministries. Yeah. So that was God's grace to, to me in my life, you know, yeah. working at a, a NAC, the Canadian National Institute for the Blind for their camps all the way through high school and then special needs summer camps for students who were having a hard time in the education system. And all the way through, even in, in ministries, we want to take care of needs. Now that becomes the big focus. And as we said, we have to remember, we can't forget the gospel, right? It can get reversed a little bit backwards in ministries where we forget the vertical, we forget God, and the aim of the ministry, it becomes almost like we would say a social gospel. Yeah. And that kind of takes over a little bit, right? And, and you yeah. see burnout with that. But you also see abuse, abuse in that there are people who are starting to come. I, we've, I've been in places where people have hit people up for money, let's say. Someone, they get the compassionate people around them. They're helping them. They're helping take care of them. They see a heart that's there, and then the rounds get done. This is the exception rather than the rule, but it's there. And you find out afterwards this person or this caregiver has gone around and hit three or four people up for loans. Okay? So, and I, you've been there. Yes. I know you've been there. What wisdom and discernment, and in fact, you and I worked through a case like that together um, at Grace, uh, <laughs> and, and we're tied in. But what, what advice can you give as far as wisdom and discernment? It is true. You know, I, I think, there, yeah, you just can't blindly just say, oh, yeah, just, you know, we're going to help all these people and all that, and, and we have to use wisdom. You do. And, and I think that's where you have to really pray for wisdom there and make sure that, um, you don't rush into anything. You take your time, you know, when you, when you make decisions, you, you pray about it. You uh, make sure your, your staff has got to be on board, you know, on all this too. I know, uh, obviously, Pastor John, when we started this ministry back in the 70s, he was very open to this. And uh, the elders were very open to this too. That was important that we were all on board to have a ministry like this. Because you don't know where it's going to go, as you say. And you don't know who you're going to be reaching out to. And you don't know what, what all, all that's all going to look like. So yeah, there are a lot of issues there that you want to make sure that you're not enabling, yeah. you know, uh, enabling people. Uh, maybe uh, families here to maybe they're they're here just to kind of use you, as you say, and financially. And you want to be careful. You have to be, you know, use a lot of wisdom there. Uh, how you use your money to help. Uh, there's got to be a lot of discernment there. Um, you don't want to lose sight that this is the at the end of the day, our goal is to spiritually minister to them. You don't want to lose sight of that. Uh, we're not a, we're not a babysitting center. We're not uh, you know we're not here to meet all their their physical and and monetary needs, but we're I have to I always have to remind myself that we're here to meet their spiritual needs. That's got to be the priority. Yeah. And you don't want to get caught up all the other stuff you can get caught up with. You have to just make sure you get back to your priorities and and realize that yes there might be some opportunities to meet needs, physical and and um, monetary, but but that's not the main reason why we're here and we have to not lose sight of that. Well, and, and I see so much value, Rick, in your seminary education and also a plurality of godly men. That's where the protection of the gospel and God's word comes in. Yes. You see very clearly, look, we're not Jesus. Yeah. We're not going to be the savior of this person or their situation. We're not going to be able to deliver them. You know, yeah. Peter, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I'll give you, you know, as he speaks to someone in the temple who's asking for money. 
Um, and at the same time, there's that accountability to maintain that priority, which yeah. you and I have benefited from within yeah. men who are equipped with God to say, okay, yes, these needs are important, but they're not more important than the gospel. And at that point, we've got to pull some things back, or we may need to say some things uh, yeah. at a certain point to make sure that it's God's agenda at the end of the day. It's Christ's agenda. It's the gospel's agenda. It's not man's agenda. Very much so. That is so true. And, and, and I know some people maybe have trouble understanding that, but I think, um, you know, that we, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, we are, we're just doing what we are called to. We want to make sure that we're, we're reinforcing the, the purpose of the church, you know, what, what the purpose is. And, and I think that is to, to meet the spiritual needs. And, um, and, it's, and sometimes, as you say, it, we can get swayed away from that. You know, we can all get swayed away. I, I, we, years, we had a few years ago, we had a family that was here that had a disabled daughter. And uh, I caught myself getting caught up with, you know, she was calling me every day for something, you know, I, I need this, I need that. And it got to be almost too much for me. And I realized that the mother, I love these people, but I, the mother was just very needy, but I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't meet all the needs. And I realized I, I can't be responsible for her all these areas of her life that she needed, you know, here is a single mom with a disabled child and my heart goes out to her, but I had to, I had to be reminded that what God had called me to do here, but I got, I did get caught, you know, you can get pulled away. Yeah. And I did, I, you know, I was, I was doing, taking her to the doctors and driving, you know, people driving here all day. It was just almost too much. It got to be too much, you know, and, uh, and, and I looked back to what you shared at the beginning about calling in the word of God. Right. And, and, and that keeps us, that assures us, and it keeps us going in the right direction, that combination of, of the Word of God making clear what, what our calling is in these ministries. Um, it really is. It really is. And, and it's, a, it's a great privilege. And, um, and I, I tell you, I don't know if, if you guys had a chance to watch um, Brenton. Uh, we did a video on Brenton uh, a few weeks ago. Um, and here's a gentleman that um, is Down syndrome, and he, you know, he came to our camps. You might have met him at camp, too, when you came. But here's a young man that you can't understand a word he says, but he loves the Lord. Yeah. He, and he gets it. He, you know, he gets what we're teaching him on Sundays. He understands. Not all of it, but he gets it. And I believe he's a believer. And um, we purposely put that video on about him to let people know that these people can get saved. Yeah. Well, they can be get, come to know the Lord. Well, it highlights something, and you can feel free to pass on this, but, you know, there's been an awful lot of emphasis on Black Lives Matter, on social justice, on really focusing on injustice and abuse in society. I wonder to what extent the special needs community has been forgotten about. And also um, this issue, Rick, of, of how they highlight that all men are image bearers of the Lord, regardless of race or color, and therefore require the love of God and require salvation, re require Christ. And I was wondering, you know, to what extent, you know, have you sort of witnessed that or seen, or there's been discussion about um, in all of this that's going on, there's a forgotten, you know, people are very quick to protest about certain things and there are wrong things that we do need to protest let's let's make no mistake there are wrong things that are not right that we should condemn um but you're working with a group of people who can't protest they can't right they don't have a voice 
they don't have a voice. I totally agree with you. And, and, and we have seen this uh, the last years, a few years, we have noticed that when they, when they come to budget every, when California has their budgets, the first thing that tends to get cut is the, the disabled. Yeah. They will cut budgets. They have been cutting their budget the last few years. Um, and uh, unfortunately, they have to do a lot of find ways to get funding now. Yeah. You know, whereas there, because their budget's been cut, and because there, many, I, we have group, we must have hundreds of group homes in Los Angeles they live in, and uh, there is a lot of there is uh, uh, financial issues that they have to deal with, sure. and they have day programs and they have staff they pay, and so when the budget's cut, it's uh, it, it really hits them hard. That's interesting, and so they've had to find different ways to try to you know get money through golf tournaments and. We we even we've tried to support them to some ways. We've gone we've gone to a walkathon where they they've been able to try to to get some money from walkathons. We've tried to help them, but it is true that they're they are sort of a forgotten uh, uh, group of people in our in our society. If, uh, you know, and uh, so um, again, it's an opportunity for us to try to to reach out to them and love them. And and uh, we. Our goal at the end of the day is I want to see these people in heaven. I mean, that's that's when I my greatest desire is a lot of these people that we're ministering to here that they'll be in heaven one day with, with the Lord. They'll they'll get new bodies. You know, the bodies that they live in, they'll be having new glorified bodies. I mean, that's what drives me in this ministry. You know, I want to see them there. Yeah. Absolutely. And life has been tough for them. You know, a lot of these. And when we say when I say group homes that they live in, the reason why a lot of them live in group homes is because the parents couldn't handle handle raising them. It's too difficult on the parents, of, uh, whether it's because the husband, there was only a, a single parent that was trying to do it, or as the parents get older, they can't physically do it. And so they have to put them in these group homes, and it's sad. And, and, uh, and then you've got people that run these group homes that uh, they're not, they don't get paid well you know, for doing this job. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tough job. They're, they don't make much money, these caregivers. Uh, I, the turnover is amazing in this in, I've seen over the years in the disabled uh, world. So it is a tough, it's a tough situation. And, and then for them to cut, cut the money, that really makes it even more difficult. It really is. Wow. Yeah. You know, one, one last question for you and, and just thank you for your time, Rick. And this is a little more on a personal level and a personal, personal uh, encouragement level for you and Janelle, your, your lovely wife, um, who we don't get to see enough of. One of the things that uh, you have both shared with, with me and with the group of the special needs team at our church who've gone out with you every year, you've shared with us that you weren't able to have children, but the special needs community in God's providence has really become your family. It really has. I was wondering if you could share a little bit about that encouragement and blessing in your life. Sure. Yeah, we, uh, we got married a little bit later. Um, you know, I said everything in my life has been later. I got saved in my 30s. I, both, brother. <laughs> I know you. I got married in my uh, early 40s. So yeah. we were going to have kids. We needed, to, we needed to get, you know, let's go. So, but um, we lost our first child and, um, and we, it just wasn't, we could just tell it wasn't going to, it wasn't going to work. And then I, I, we thought about adopting and then um, I had talked to Janelle about that. But at the end of the day, we got this ministry came in my lap here and we, we really made a commitment that this, these were going to be our children, and it's been a blessing. Uh, we love them, and uh, it's really Janelle's gotten to get some of her mothering in you know, with these kids, and 
it's been a, it's been good. It's been really good um, for us. It, obviously, it's it's a little bit different, but um, we've been blessed, and um, the Lord has really used it in our lives in an amazing way. We, um, in some ways, we we look at them as family. Um, we do, and uh, it's been a really real blessing to us in so many ways. Well, it's a, it's such a beautiful picture when you think about you know Paul talking about Timothy being his spiritual son. And you think that where we're moving in the direction we're moving to, where the church is really meant to be an adopted family, and, and we see the struggles with so many people where they fail to see you do need some separation from your biological family sometimes, and you do need to prioritize your spiritual family, but the way in which the Lord, you know, really prepared you and Janelle in many ways, you know, to have lives that were empty of your past, you know, coming out of the past, and just to have hearts that were completely open and ready and willing to embrace wholeheartedly a community who really yeah. needed the Lord and, and the ministry that you're doing. I agree. And I, you know, I think back if we, if, if, if we'd had, like, if we'd had three or four kids at home, I, I would, I think it would have had an effect on me and what I'm able to do in this ministry. Um, not that we wouldn't have loved to have kids, but I think it's, it freed us up a little bit. Yeah. be able to uh, get out and see them more. Um, you know, like we're able, Janelle's able, we're able to go to the camps, uh, all the camps I can be there. It would have been difficult with kids at home um, to be able to, to get out and do the things I'm able to do. Or to be the so, spiritual parents, really. In many yeah, ways. yeah, it really has been. Which is exactly what really has that been. community at Grace Community Church needed. They needed spirit, like that's not to patronize, but listen, don't we all need spiritual parents? Right. Yes, we do. <laughs> That's true. We do. That's a good point. So yeah, it's, it's amazing how God will turn in. We, it was difficult. You know, obviously we all want kids and, but the Lord has used our lives in an in amazing way, you know, not being able to have kids. And, and it's a full life. Is it not for you and Janelle? It it's really has been full and I'm just very thankful yeah. to this. And it's, it's, I think it's even changed me a lot uh, in a lot of ways too. I think, um, you know, I think I, I tell people that you're going to be a different person when you serve in this ministry. It's going to, it's going to change you in a lot of ways. I think you have to slow down and you've got to, it's, uh, it's, it's like, um, like, a, like a parent with kids, you know, you have to learn to, to love and care for these people unconditionally. And uh, even as quirky as some of the different they can be, um, it's, it, it turns you to, to be more selfless. You're caring for someone else, which is always a good thing, right? To care for somebody else. Yeah. Keep your eyes off yourself. Amen. Amen. So. Well, Rick, are there some specific things we can be in prayer for uh, you, yeah. specifically you and Janelle, and, and uh, I'll close our time in prayer? Yes, you can definitely. Obviously, we pray for, um, uh, you know, our, the ministry at our church getting back here in the near future. I mean, I'm sure we're all praying for that, that um, that we could get back to meeting at church and uh, getting back to our, our the ministries that we'd love to do and um, praying that uh, obviously there might be uh, the, the virus would s slow down and uh, maybe they can find a cure for this virus. And I think church is so important uh, to meet and, and, you know, we're not, none of our ministries are going on right now here. Maybe some Bible studies, but the major ministries are not, and that would definitely include us. And, and that these people would, um, we'd be able to get this thing going again, start up again. I'm hoping and praying that they'll be allowed to come back to church too. I know that there's a lot of protection for these people. I understand that they're very vulnerable to viruses, but I sure hope that they'll um, allow them to come back here once we do open again. Um, and, and this ministry will, will continue. I obviously, I, I, I think sometimes like, wow, maybe we won't 
have this ministry for another for quite a while. That's a possibility, but we're praying that it, that you know hopefully in the fall we'll be able to get back to what we normally do here. Um, and uh, that would be a blessing. I think we really miss it. One thing, being away from these people, I really do miss them. And um, I think they miss us too, not just speaking for myself. They miss our church here. They miss the ministry. Um, so uh, that's a good thing. I think that they, so we're hoping that, you know, we'll get back to semi-normalcy maybe, as I'm saying, you know, I think it's what we're all praying, right? <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. No. Well, let me, let me pray uh, for you, and then we'll, we'll say our goodbyes. Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you for who you are. We live in a world where we all have special needs, and we just thank you that you are a holy God, and your mercy is holy, and you have incredible compassion for the suffering and consequences of sin in this world, especially as it affects people um, spiritually, physically, and emotionally. And we thank you that you came to die on the cross to save us from our sin and from our sinfulness and from the sin of this world. And, and you came to make us whole in your time and in your way. And I just thank you for just the amazing testimony of what you've done at Grace Community Church in and through the lives of Rick and Janelle, Lord, and uh, the testimony of the gospel of your word of salvation in the lives of flesh and blood human people loving and caring for those who society really ignores in many ways and uh, considers as an inconvenience and they're forgotten. Lord, we just thank you that your church and your gospel provides an amazing way, Lord, to reach and to love and to care in a way that the world does not know how to do. We pray for the special needs community at this time, especially those tied to the ministry at Grace Community Church. We pray for the caregivers as we heard. Lord, we pray for rest and restoration, both physically and spiritually, as they are just getting stretched thin, many of them to the breaking point. And we pray that in some way, both physically and spiritually, that their arms will be lifted up and they might be encouraged. We pray for Rick and Janelle for their ministry as they wait upon you to consider how to proceed this summer and the fall as well and to know how best to care for the special needs community during shelter in place and during COVID-19. And of course, we pray, Lord, for protection for these individuals for uh, perhaps whatever remedy can be there so that they might be able for the purpose of gathering together because how we all need that human touch. Lord, I pray for Lighthouse Bible Church as well, uh, that you would give us hearts of repentance in ways that we haven't taken the initiative or haven't loved, that we would be mindful and that we would be ready, Lord, to be faithful, to trust you and get out of our comfort zones and take the initiative and to love, Lord, others who are different from us or who might be struggling or who clearly would benefit and be blessed by the mercy that you give. Would you help us in that way, Lord? And would we be pleasing to you? So, Lord, thank you for this time. And I just pray that if it be your will, we'd have a chance to see Rick and Janelle sometime soon. In your name we pray. Amen. Rick, thanks for the time. <laughs> You're welcome. Give, give Janelle our love. Tell her, um, yeah, we miss her and hope to see her, and, and also the volunteers, you know, who we get a chance to see at Grace Community Church, uh, who are part of your ministry. Oh, yeah. They, they ask about you guys all the time. You know, they're asking me. I told them today I was going to be with you, and they all were excited, and so, yeah, they love you guys, and 
you guys, you know, I don't really know if you know how much of an impact you've had on us. You guys have just been, you've been like my little, uh, I, I look at it as uh, the encourager. You know, you have been the ultimate encouragers for this ministry. So thank you. Well, we're blessed. We're blessed yeah. to be a part of it. So uh, hopefully we will see you soon. Yeah, definitely. Let's hope and pray for that.